God, we do thank you for this opportunity to look at your scripture and just ask, Lord, that uh, you would guide uh, my words, that your Holy Spirit would guide and direct every uh, moment of this time together. Lord, encourage us and strengthen us from um, this story of Moses and uh, his leading of the people. God, thank you for this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So uh, we've just started this look at the book of Exodus, and so just as a reminder, we've looked in the past couple of chapters at uh, the status of the Hebrew people as they're in Egypt and under oppression and saw how difficult the circumstance they were in, uh, knowing that daily um, that the, the sons of their people could be taken from them and living with just the, the uncertainty that, that that created for them. And, and this new ruler was now just oppressing them in the, in the labor that he had, him, uh, had them doing. And, and so we open Exodus seeing this people that is struggling with really how they're going to survive day to day. And, uh, and we talked about how, you know, when we look at this story, we often just think about Moses and what he's doing. But for these people, for, for years, it was day after day of uncertainty of what God was going to do, how he might come through. And, and they'd been told, you know, the, the promise has been told them that they would come out and that the land would be given to them in Israel that was promised to Abraham. And all these things are part of their heritage. But now in this time, Daily, they don't know if their people are going to continue. And so we find them that way. And, and then in the last chapter, we saw Moses, who in the midst of this uncertainty is born um, and preserved through a basket or a little ark um, and, and really found by an Egyptian who instead of obeying Pharaoh and having him uh, killed, he, she saves him. And so we see Moses who, I mean, it, it, by all intents and, and circumstances, he should be the person that's going to deliver them. And, and he feels this at one point in his life. He, he is struggling with, okay, I'm a Hebrew and I'm here in Pharaoh's house and, and my people are oppressed. And so I'm going to go see them. And what he sees is ugly. He sees Egyptian uh, harassing Hebrew. And he, and he goes and strikes the Egyptian out of like, well, here I am. I'm the one to save them. It's time for me to step up and do this. And his people reject him. And so he flees. He thought with great confidence that he was the chosen deliverer at that time, but things didn't turn out the way that he expected them to turn out. In fact, the people said, no, we don't want any of what you're doing. You're going to get us all in bigger trouble than we're already in. And so that's at age 40, and at age 40 he leaves and he uh, comes to Midian, and in Midian he meets his uh, wife and his father-in-law and all, you know, all these people and, um, and begins to build a life there. And, and for what we understand, he spends another 40 years there. So we come to chapter 3, and uh, what we see in chapter 3 is that Moses is going about his life in Midian. He's tending his sheep. He's taking care of the flock that Jethro, his father-in-law, had, uh, had for him. And as he's doing that, a bush is burning, but not being consumed. 
Moses thought his time to step up and deliver the people was 40 years ago. There's a good chance that he's sort of like forgotten that, like moved on completely in his life and, and has no trajectory toward being a deliverer at all at this point. And God says, now that I've whittled you into a humble circumstance, it's time for you to be used. And so you, you may be familiar with the story, but basically, you know, God comes and speaks to Moses through this burning bush and, and calls him now to go back and save his people out of Egypt. He says, I've seen my people and their oppression. I'm sending you to bring them out. That's the gist of really the whole passage, chapter 3 and 4. And so really, chapter 3 and 4 is Moses conversing with God and sort of sharing his doubts about why he isn't the guy for this job. Um, And so we're going to look at a few questions that Moses has as we consider this passage. And like I said, I'm not going to read through the whole passage. We did that mostly on Thursday, and uh, there's a lot here, so I'm not going to read through the whole thing. I'm just going to highlight some things. One of the things that Moses asks is, okay, I'm supposed to go back to these people. Um, Who do I tell them sent me? You know, I mean, I've been gone for, I mean, it's been 40 years since I tried to deliver them, and I didn't have much interaction with them at that point, so they really don't know me very well. God says, in verse 6, chapter 3, Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Verse, uh, verse 14. God says to Moses, uh, he asks, what is, what is his name? What, what shall I tell them who ask me? What is his name? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent you. And reading about this, uh, the, that phrase, I am who I am, could be uh, stated more I guess exhaustively, as I cause to be because I cause to be. I'm the one who causes things to be because I'm the one who causes things to be. He's the causer of things. There's nothing before him. He is the cause, and that's it. So he says, tell them I am the one who causes things. I am has sent you. And he says to him also, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. So he asks them, what is your name? And, um, and God tells him, Again, we sort of speculated a bit on Thursday because there's not really a lot to go off of in terms of how much Moses knew about his heritage and really even how much the Israelites sort of were in connection with their heritage. It's been 400 years since Joseph comes to Egypt and uh, 400 years of of, uh, 70 people being turned into a couple million people probably. And so how much of their heritage has been preserved, we really don't know. 
But God knows that if Moses takes this name, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that they will know something powerful has been said. They might know that much, that promises were made to a man named Abraham, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and that is what brought us to Egypt. So he says, what is your name? I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Furthermore, he tells them, also tell them that I've seen your oppression, and I will bring you out of Egypt. Moses has another objection. Um, he says, well, that's great. I mean, I'm not sure how, you know, how telling them those things is going to convince them that I'm the guy. So, you know, if, if they're not going to listen to me, what shall I tell, what do I do if they don't listen to me? Chapter 4, Moses answered, but behold, they, they will not believe me or, or listen to my voice if I just say these things. And so the Lord says, what's in your hand? And Moses says, it's a staff. God says, throw it on the ground. And as he throws it on the ground, the staff becomes a serpent. And Moses runs from it, obviously. Anybody else run toward snakes? Is there anybody that's running? To, there probably is. Potter and Daniel, did they run toward snakes? Okay, yeah, they're the only ones. Um, uh, so he throws the snake down, or throws the staff down and turns it to a snake. Okay, there's one thing. Moses is probably like, all right, my staff turns into a snake. Very good. He's able to also pick up this snake and turn it back into a staff. So somehow God has given him the ability to do that. He also asks him, okay, put your hand inside your cloak. And as he draws it out, it becomes covered with leprosy, sores all over his skin. He says, now put it back in your cloak. And it's gone. There's a couple signs that, you know, demonstrate that the power that is now operating within Moses is one that can control, that is, the, the things that we are by nature afraid of and make them go away, right? He, he can allow the snake to appear and pull it straight out of existence with the touch. This is, this is the I am who is I am. This disease that they didn't know much about, leprosy, how, how to keep it away from people and all this. They knew it was contagious. They knew that if someone had leprosy, that they should be quarantined and that we should stay away from them. Otherwise, it would spread and more people would get this soreness. And so he says, look, you can put leprosy on your hand and I'm the one that will be able to take it away. If they don't believe that you are sent by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, do these things. And they will see that the one who causes to be will cause to be. Those are very powerful things, for sure. But he gives them a third one that's particular to their current oppressor. He says, if they still don't believe you, then take water out of the Nile. And when you pour it out, it will turn into blood. This is a big deal for them because... In Egypt, the Nile isn't like mysteriously powerful. It isn't like an amazing river. It is those things, but it's not just those things. To them, the Nile like 
is divine. It's like a God in itself, not just water rushing powerfully as we respect the Mississippi River or, you know, these big rivers. We respect how powerful they are, and we're cautious of them. They literally viewed it as God. And so for Moses to take water out and to pour and say, I can even turn the Nile, this great river, this great divine river, I can turn it to blood. God has power over their oppressors and over their oppressors' gods. So if they won't listen, do these things, he says. Moses also has another objection after that. (laughs) Careful not to rain judgment on Joseph or on Moses. We're very similar to him. Um, But he says, well, the problem is I'm not very good at speaking. Uh, So could you send somebody else? I know that you know, you've given me your covenant name, and like, I know that you've given me these amazing signs that I can do, and, but I'm really bad at speaking, so could you send somebody else? It's almost laughable to read it, knowing what we know of Moses and what he becomes, but he's scared. He, I mean, he's being called to call out two million people from the oppressor of Egypt and he's, he's scared. Thinks he won't be able to do it. God says to him, sort of a challenge to his faith, I think. He says, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I'll be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But Moses still says, please, send someone else. And it says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will be your mouth. And with his mouth, you will teach, uh, will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. Basically, he will be the conduit to Aaron for what to say. God wanted him to be the guy. He he wanted him to go forth and speak, but, but he was willing, powerfully willing, to still work through Moses, yet be aware of his brokenness. And let Aaron speak too. God calls Moses uh, to go back to, to Egypt. And Moses is full of these questions. But the most powerful thing, the most powerful thing that, that Moses needed to trust in was really the first question that is answered for him. It's the most powerful thing uh, to, to him at this time, these objections. God met them, and he, and he was actually willing to work with Moses on these things. 
I mean, we just see the mercy and grace of God that he's, okay, uh, yeah, here's my name, and this is what I'm going to do. I'll share that. That's a good question. Okay, but, but they won't listen. Okay, here's some signs. You know, they will. They probably would have listened if you had it, had the faith for that. And, but, but here's some signs, and, um, and I'm slow of speech, so uh, I need some help. Okay, here's Aaron. Like, I'll help you out. But really, all Moses needed was the answer to his first question. And I challenge us to listen to this first question, too. Verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. I'll start with four. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see this burning bush, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of my people Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses' question, when God calls him, okay, you're going to go, and this is exactly what you're going to do, and I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I'm going to bring you out to this land that is full of provision. Moses' question is, who am I that I should go? Uh, Am I worthy for this task? The cool thing about the answer in this is that God doesn't answer his question. (laughs) Moses says, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? God does not say to him, Well, you are a Levite, born to a Levite mother and a Levite father. You are surely separated for God. You're worthy. Not what he says. He doesn't say, You had a special salvation and were saved into Pharaoh's hands very household. Who else should be able to go to Pharaoh and speak? You are worthy. doesn't say that. He doesn't say, you're a great shepherd of Midian who has had great success here with your shepherding. He doesn't say that. He asks, who, who am I that I should go, Lord? God says, it's not really about who you are at all. It's about who I am. 
Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses says, and God responds, But I will be with you, and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. He doesn't answer his question at all. (laughs) Who am I that I should go? I am God. Go. (laughs) I will be with you. All Moses needed to know was that God was going to be with him. I mean, he's standing in the middle of a desert talking to a bush that is burning but not being burned up. (laughs) The, The circumstance itself is phenomenal. And God says, I will be with you. God is so gracious with Moses in calling him to do what he called him to do. He's willing to give him a further understanding of his name. He's willing to give him signs in which to demonstrate his own power. He's willing to provide a helper to come and help him in his calling, graciously and and beautifully so. But the only thing Moses needed to know, and the only thing we need to know in each and every day is this, I will be with you. God has said he will be the one that saves his people. And he's asked Moses to go and do it. For us, it's the same way. God is the one that's going to save the people out of Egypt. It's only going to be by his power and by his might. And he uses willing servants. And Moses was willing, but he was flawed. He still uses flawed, willing servants. Praise God that he does that. And so, if you're following the Lord today, God has called you. Uh, This particular instance, this story of, of Israel, we've got a big picture of a corporate salvation that's happening. But now we know that because of Jesus, we've been restored to our God and Father in heaven, and each of us have been called to go, just as Moses was called to go. He's called us to go all sorts of places that those around us would call upon the Lord and know Him and come to Him. Who are you that you should go? It's not about your special birth. It's not about your special salvation story, really, even though it's beautiful and needs to be shared. It's not about your great achievements that you've packed up for yourself. It's about the God who is present with you and in you because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Just as God called Moses to go, he calls us to go in the same manner, to go with the very presence of God inside of you. To your coworkers, to your families, to your friends, to those you run into. Uh, To be willing to uh, simply be 
the presence of God. Carry His presence. And God will do the saving. Our salvation is in God's hands. And He's calling us to carry that salvation to those around us, not by our own strength, not by our own achievement, but by His very presence in and among us. Who am I that I should go? God says, I will be with you. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you promise us your presence. God, we thank you that you've called us to be your children. And we thank you for the grace you show us in the calling you've given us. Lord, even when we're weak in what you've called us to do, you provide and come alongside. And for that, we're so grateful. Lord, we pray that you would give us the confidence to believe your promises, that you will be with us. That you'll be with us in each and every day, God, as we lead our families as we do our jobs, as we interact with our friends, God, that we carry the same love that you loved us with to those you've placed around us. Let us continually be changed by your presence in and among us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.